Thank you for tuning in to Bible Storming Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our aim is to help you be intentional in how you think about the Bible. It is more than just reading the words. It is about diving deep into the text. So let's study together. Here is your host, Daniel Webster. What's up, Bible Stormers? You know who it is. It's your boy, D-Webb. We're back for another episode of the Bible Storming Podcast. As we begin this episode, I have a really important question to ask of you guys. Okay, so I've been listening back to some of the episodes that we've recorded so far, right? I've been trying to to make sure the audio quality is good for you guys, trying to, trying to look out for the people, you know what I'm saying? And I've come to a, a really troubling realization, and that is that my voice sounds incredibly high to me. Did, are y'all like, are y'all hearing the same thing that I am? Like, is my voice up to like a soprano type level on y'all's thing? Is my Spotify just just off? <laughs> for, y- for those of y'all who know me, is that what I sound like in real life? Because if so, I'm never speaking again. I, I just need to know, like, is, is this, is, is what I sound like on here? Is that what I sound like in real life? Because if so, never speaking again, getting surgery. So I, I literally cannot speak again. <laughs> this is, this is really important. So if you're listening to this, let me know, do I sound like this in real life? Does my voice sound like a, a four-year-old girl in real life, because that, that's where we're at right now <laughs> on the audio here. Okay, so with that aside, welcome back. We're talking about the love of God, right? We're, we're in the Bible Storming Podcast, so we're brainstorming through the Bible. This season, season one, we're talking about God. What a, what a wonderful place to start. We're talking about the being who is the most supreme being whom we could ever imagine, more, more amazing than any of us could ever imagine. And right now, we're talking about his love. We're, we're talking about the characteristic that if you had to pick one characteristic, one word to describe God, to, to, to contain God inside a, a little little four-letter word, it'd be love, right? First John chapter 4, verse 7, God is love. First John 4, 7, and 8, God is love. So last week, we talked about the two words that are most often translated love in the New Testament, and that's the word agape and the word phileo. Now, let's talk about phileo first, just review for just a second. By the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen to that now, because the, the stuff that you hear in that episode is going to help help you a whole lot in understanding what we talk about today. But just for, for those of you who listened two weeks ago, we're just we're going to review really quick. Okay, so phileo, right? That's the word that means like a, a love of liking. It's a, it's a friendship type of love. You feel it because you, you feel a lot in common with the object or the person whom you're loving. It's, it's, it's a love that makes you feel good. It's about pleasure. Now that word is very rarely used of God's love for people in the New Testament. Just a couple times. Now the word that most often is translated love as it pertains to God in the New Testament is the Greek word agape or a form of the Greek word agape. Now the the word agape back in in, in that time was very very rarely used by people. In fact, we we don't have a record of the word agape 
being used in classical Greek literature, which is literature that was produced around the time of the Bible or before. So this is a very rarely used word back then. If if you spoke Greek back then, maybe as a second language, which it was a lot of people, like with English today, a lot of people speak it as a second language. Same thing with Greek back then. And if that was the case with you, you might you might or might not know the word agape, but even if you did know it, you wouldn't really be using it on a regular basis. It wouldn't really mean anything in your life. So, as we said last week, the Holy Spirit could take that word, could take the basic definition, and it's the love that, that arises in us because of the preciousness of the object of love. Remember we said that phileo is about pleasure, agape is about preciousness. It's about inherent value, inherent worth. You, you value, you evaluate this person or thing to be worth loving, to, to be worthy of your love. That's what agape is. It's almost a cold, emotionless type of love. But it's the love that, that really is the truest, the, the highest form of love. Because it says that whatever is best for you is what I'm choosing to do. Whatever is best for you is what I'm choosing to give. It's a completely selfless type of thing. And so that's the love that God has for us, which is, a, which is incredible that the, that the creator of us, the creator of the universe would feel that way about you and about me. And that's where I want us to start. As, as in this episode, we walk through the New Testament and notice some different things that the New Testament tells us about this agape love that God has for us what that looks like in our lives, what that means for us. And I want to start in, in Ephesians. And if, if you have a Bible with you, then you, you are more than welcome to turn to these verses. Please do. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And so I'm going to read the verses that we talk about. I might reference a few that I don't read, but for the most part, I'm going to read them because I assume most of you aren't you know, at, at a place where you can just stop and, and read your, your Bible. So I'm, I'm going to read them. And I know that it's easy when somebody is, is reading from any kind of book to kind of tune them out. And so I have a favor to ask. And that favor is do the best you can to pay attention when I'm, when I'm speaking from the Bible. You can ignore everything I say. Who cares? But there's, the verses that we're going to read today are so incredibly powerful. And, and obviously, it's, it's not anything that has to do with me. L- literally, I did nothing <laughs> that, that would affect this. But the verses that we're reading today are so incredibly meaningful in our lives. And if we take the, what, what the words say and apply them to our lives, they could change everything in our daily lives. I can promise you that. So, first, before we get to really the, the meat of what we're talking about, just for literally a second, let's, let's think about Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. Ephesians 3, 19, Paul says in part of this verse that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. The level at which Jesus loves me and you literally is not understandable by us. We cannot comprehend that kind of love. But that's our goal in this episode, which kind of tells you right off that we are doing a pointless thing in that we cannot understand the love of God. We can't understand that kind of love. But in this episode, we're going to do the best we can to study it and, and to learn as much about it as we can, and then to see what that means for our lives. So starting off, listen to this verse, John 17, 26. John 17, 26. 
Jesus is praying to God, praying to the Father. He says, I made known to them your name. And in this part of the section, or in this section of the prayer, he's he's not speaking of the apostles specifically. He's he's speaking of all disciples at all times and all places. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The love that, that God has for Jesus, and we'll talk about this specifically more in just a minute, but for now, focus on this. The love that God has for Jesus, that kind of love can be in us, can be in me, can be in you. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, to, to all who are in, in Rome, beloved of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 5, listen to this. This, this is an incredible verse. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love of God, the love of, of the God, we're talking about the God, the, the creator of the universe. His love has been poured into your heart if you are a Christian. His love has been poured into your heart. It's been poured into my heart. Now, maybe we can't know all that that means and all, all that that means for our lives, but we can know that whatever it is, that is amazing. <laughs> what in the world? That, that the love of God has been poured into our hearts? Let that sink in for just a second. That, that, that is incredible. Maybe even more incredible. Galatians 2.20, you, you might have seen this growing up if, if you are a, a Christian. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now listen to this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, Jesus loves me. The love that we're talking about right now is, is a love that God feels for everybody on earth. John 3.16, for God so loved, he, he so agape the world. By the way, the, the words translated love in, in each of these verses that we're reading and that we will talk about, they're all forms of the word agape, so they're all agape. Paul says, yes, God absolutely agapes the world. God absolutely loves everybody on earth, everybody who has ever existed. He's loved them with that kind of love. And, and we hear that, and that's an amazing truth. But I want to ask you for just a moment to narrow that love. It's not, it's not just a love that God feels for every single person on earth. It's not just a love that God feels for, for your friends or, or the people who you sit close to at church or, or who God Feel, that God feels for, for preachers or elders or in any of your family members. God loves you. God knows you. God knows who you are. God, God wants what is best for you specifically. God loves you. God loves me. His love has been poured into my heart. His love has been poured into your heart if, if you're a Christian. God's love is so personal. But also in Galatians 2.20, did you notice the, the very last part of that verse? Jesus, or Paul says that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean? Okay, so 
later on in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, John says, in this is love, in, in this is agape. This is what agape looks like. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and, listen to this, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, the word propitiation is a word that we do not use outside of a religious context. But basically, it means that Jesus covered for us. The word is a covering. So listen, listen to this verse when I read it like that. In this is agape, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to cover for our sins. Paul said he gave himself for me. He loved me, therefore he gave himself for me. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the, the wages of sin is death. Okay, so if you're a Christian, you've probably heard that verse so many times, but let it sink in. If you have sinned, and, and of course you have, of course I have, you deserve to die. I deserve to die. Not, not in some future far-off place. I deserve to die right now. Without Jesus, I, I deserve to be executed, like knees on the ground, shot through the head, executed. Spiritually, but then also physically, I think there are so many implications of sin that, that we don't always think about because we don't have immediate repercussions so much as, as some people had in the past, like under the Old Covenant. But sin is so incredibly, ridiculously serious. Sin is not a joke. Sin is not a laughing matter. Sin is not something to be taken lightly. Jesus gave himself in our place. Why? Because he loves us. He covered for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own agape toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He covered for us. He, he died in our place. Ephesians 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He gave himself up for us. Later on in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27, listen to what Paul says. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, that he might separate her, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the worm, so that he might present to himself a church in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He covered for her. Why? So there's a purpose for Christ covering for us. To sanctify her, to separate her, to cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So not only is God's love personal, not only is God's love propitiatory, God's love is purifying. There's a purpose for Christ covering for us. It's not just that Jesus covered for us, so we're, we're good. No, Jesus covered for us so we would be pure, so we would be clean. Revelation 1 verse 5, Jesus loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He covered for us so that we might be clean. He covered for you so that you would be clean, so that you get away from this sin, so you'd be done with that life. He covered for us so we'd be different. Now, earlier in Ephesians 5, and we're just walking through the New Testament, noticing some different things, so we're moving hopefully pretty quickly. Ephesians 5, verse 1, back in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Beloved is a form of agape. This is the next thing that I want us to notice about the love that God has for us. It's a paternal love. It's a fatherly love. But 
not not in the way that that so many fathers in our world are. So many fathers are not worth their weight in, in salt. I think that's a phrase. <laughs> they they're they're pretty much worthless, at least in, in the sense of being fathers. They they've left their family or they abused their children, abused their wives. You you know what I'm talking about. You if you haven't experienced it in your life, you know people who have. But not that kind of father. John 17, 23, back back to what Jesus was praying to God. Listen to this, listen to this section of four verses. This this section is is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Jesus says that you have loved them as as you have loved me. God, you have loved my people in the same way that you have loved me. This is Jesus. And then he says, Father, Father, remember, paternal. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. That kind of love, the, the love that, that loved Jesus before the foundation of the world, it loves us. And we can see that in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul tells us that in love he predestined us for adoption of sons. So before the foundation of the world, he, he predestined us, he loved us. O righteous Father, the world has not known, back in John 17, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus says the same kind of love that God feels for him, God feels for us. What? (laughs) The Son of God, who, who gave up everything, everything for me and for you, The same love that God feels for him, he feels for you and for me. 1 John 3, 1, behold what manner of love, the, what, behold what, what kind of agape the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Whether your earthly father is worth anything or not, We have a Father who loves us more than any of us could ever even begin to imagine. He wants what's best for you, always, no matter what. God is on your side. He wants what's best for you. The the Greek word translated manner in 1 John 3, one of the whole manner of agape, what kind of agape, is from a word that means foreign. John is saying, "What, what a foreign kind of love that God loves us with. This is not a love that we have ever seen before. This is different. This this hits different, you might say. This is a totally foreign kind of love. Now, you can see that again in in verse 16 of 1 John 3. John says, by this we know love. Okay, remember that before the New Testament, we don't have a record at all of them using agape in their writings. This wasn't a word that they just used on an everyday basis. So John says, by this we know love. In other words, this is how we know what agape is. This word that that didn't really mean anything in our lives now means everything to us. And this next phrase is why. By this we know agape, that he laid down his life for us. John says, now we know what to call something that the world had never even thought of before. We know what that is. It's love. It's agape. It's something so wonderful that to understand it, we needed to see it 
in real life. We needed to see it demonstrated. We needed to see genuine selflessness. We needed to see true sacrifice. We needed to see Jesus. The love that God has for us is the love that, that is the, the, the love of a father, a paternal love. But also, that love is a precedent. That love means something for our lives in terms of how we live our lives on a daily basis. Because John said, by this we know agape, that he laid down his life for us. He's so selfless. He's so sacrificial. What, 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 how does that verse end? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. The love of God should cause us to live in a certain way. It should cause us to live with agape for our brothers and for everybody else. First John 4.19, just a chapter later, we love, we agape, because he first agaped us. His love is a precedent for us. And you can see this throughout the New Testament. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you agape one another. Just as I have agaped you, you also are to agape one another. Jesus says, just like I agaped you, that's a precedent. You need to follow after that. That's a pattern. A chapter later, or two chapters later, John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now listen to this verse. This is Paul. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. It, it forces us because we judge thus, that, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is a quote from John Piper, who's, who's a Baptist preacher. And obviously we would disagree on a whole lot of things about the Bible. But I love this quote. He says, the most unshakable reality of his life was being loved by Jesus Christ. It was the granite foundation under a life of immense suffering. Paul went through more than probably any of us will ever even come close to touching in our lives. Paul endured incredible suffering. He says, ignore that. I can't help but live the life that I live because Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you, and that means something for your life. Love like he loved. Live like he lived. If necessary, just like John says, die like he died. That's agape. It values other people more highly than it values itself. Now, this next one, that, this, this next kind of section Honestly, I almost didn't include because it doesn't fit into our pretty picture of agape, right? It, it doesn't, it's not the, the cherry on top. It's not the, the red ribbon on top of the Christmas present. It's different. It doesn't fit with all the others. And, and so that's the reason I, I almost didn't say it because it, it doesn't really fit into the, the, the flow of what we're talking about. But if we're going to truly Bible storm, if, if we're truly brainstorming through the Bible, we need to talk about everything. We, we can't just leave out the, what we might call the ugly parts, what we might not prefer to be in there. God's love is conditional. Sure, God agapes everybody. Absolutely. John 3.16, he loves the world. He agapes the world. But in some sense, I don't know if we can know what sense that is, but in some sense, 
the agape of God is conditional. Listen to this, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus says, if we, if we can paraphrase that, if you keep my commandments, you love me. And if you love me, the Father loves you. So, if you keep my commandments, the Father loves you. What was the first word of that sentence? If. The, the agape of God is conditional. Drop down to verse 23 of John 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and, and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The love of God is conditional. Jude 1 verse 20, keep yourselves in the love of God. Implied in that is that we have the option of not keeping ourselves in the love of God. I don't know what sense it is in, in, the, in which the agape of God is conditional, but in some sense, we can take ourselves out of the agape of God. We can take ourselves out of the, the propitiatory agape of God, the, the, the agape of God that covers for us, the, the agape that purifies us, the agape that loves us like he loves Jesus. We can take ourselves out of that. But then also, there's, there's another kind of negative side to agape that I found in the New Testament, and that's Hebrews 12.6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, the one he agapes, and chastises, punishes, every son whom he receives. There's a dark side to agape, we might say. It wants what's best for us. Sometimes that means punishment. Sometimes that means hurting. Sometimes that means you hurting. Real life. Sometimes that means that we're going to be crying at night into our pillows. Sometimes that means that we're going to want to rip our hearts out of our chest. That's love. Because maybe you're the same as me. I look back at the hardest things that I've gone through, and even if I wouldn't have, would have never chosen to go through those things, I would never be the person I am today for, for good or bad. If you know me, you, I guess you can make that choice. But I would never be the person I am without going through some of those tough times. The love of God punishes us. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak as to how that is. Maybe some, some other people can give us better ideas about, about in what way that is the case. But we know that in some way it does. And we also know that that's what's best for us. Just like a father sometimes has to discipline, has to punish his, his children because he knows better than them. It's the same way with God, our Father. Sometimes the love of God punishes. That's just reality. Now, the last thing I want us to talk about is in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Just, if you don't get anything else from this episode, listen to, to this section of Scripture. Paul, Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's almost like a challenge. Who can do it? Good luck. Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Now, if any one of those things came into my life, I think my world will be turned upside down. If famine came into my life, if nakedness came into my life, nobody wants that. If, if danger, or, or sword, 
I don't want a sword. I don't want a gun pointed at me. But he says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You know what happens to a sheep in the slaughter? It's not pretty for the sheep or for anyone watching. <laughs> but then he says, yet in all these things, with, with famine, persecution, nakedness, sword, slaughter, <laughs> in all those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, first of all, is it just me or could like Paul like spit some lines? Like, <laughs> like he's spitting fire right now. Anyways, just, just thought of that. <laughs> How beautiful is that? How, how amazing is that? No matter what happens to us in this life, I don't know what you're going through, probably. You probably don't know what I'm going through. I, I think we're all always going through something. But no matter what we go through from when we're born to when we die, God's love will not be separated from us. It's present. It's here. It's here right now. God loves you right now. Now pause this. Pause this podcast. Clear the clear the app out. Stop me talking. Go thank God. Go say thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me, even when no one else does. Even when when the people who are dearest to me hurt me and let me down. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being you. Just take a moment, pray to God, thank him for that. That's a blessing that I think we can never quantify. We, we, we will never understand how great of a blessing it is to be loved by God. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.